podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You have to believe that you can do something that nobody else has done. And somehow that concept has to become reality. Somebody's got to make the play to stop this draft. That last one, in fact, again, they push the pass for the first. And the pass is picked off. It's picked up by David Harris, who gets away from Brady. What a turn of events. Now being chased out by Trumper at the 10 yard line. Suddenly, the Jets' defense responds when it looks like the Patriots were ready to drive it right down the field. You're listening to No Fly Zone Radio with Victor Green. Welcome to the No Fly Zone Radio Show, all the way from across the pond. Here are your hosts, Biff Sweeney and Richard Kimberley. Welcome to No Fly Zone Radio. This is episode number 187. I'm your host, Biff Sweeney. I'm joined here by my good friend, uh, Mr. Glenn Norton from Jet Nation Radio. Uh, how's things? Uh, things have been better, but you know, things have also been worse, right? We've, uh, we've dealt with worse than what we just saw, but, um, Jets, uh, you know, they got exposed a little bit and now we, uh, now we see what they do against Bill Belichick. Yeah. Well, for me, it's only week two. Like, uh, there's still a long way to go. Yeah. But from what I've seen against Dallas and in parts of Bill's game, I think the Jets team have been listening to the media way too much, listening to outside music way too much, and they've let it get to their heads. And they thought they could walk into Dallas and because they have the number two defense in the league, in their heads, they could walk, you know, come in here, come into Dallas and, you know, rough Dallas up. But it didn't happen. They got their asses handed to them. In fairness, I thought there was a lot of coaching decisions I didn't agree with. The protection from the offensive line was pretty shit, especially on the left side. Um, like um, Some of the plays were um, on offense, undesirable, a uh, lot of mistakes. Like, uh, our running back, our main running back, only got four snaps. The guy that hasn't, hasn't trained through camp, Got most of the snaps at running back. Our best um, tight end only got a handful of snaps. Um, on defense, there was lots and lots of missed tackles. Lots of tackling um, where they were leaving with their shoulder and missing, missing tackles. Um, the defensive line didn't really get much work uh, done in the whole game, apart from the only one that really flashed me was Jermaine Johnson. Uh, special teams was the only team, the only part of the Jets team that I thought worked well. And I thought Zach Wilson, going up against this defense, I thought played actually well for what he was, you know, what he could do. Like, he did throw three, uh, three interceptions, but like he was trying to like come back from way behind. I, from what I've seen, I've seen growth from um, Zach Wilson from last year. That's what I wanted to see. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the point that I've, I've brought up a few times in that with, with Zach, you know, there are certain parts of his game that you can see clear improvement. You can see that he's, you know, he's not as he's not as skittish in the pocket. He's he's taking the time to sit back and look at what's in front of him, even if there's pressure coming, which we haven't seen from him in the past. That was one of the biggest holes in his game. Um, the other one, of course, was the short passing game where he, he had a really hard time. You know, he wasn't, you know, forget about putting a ball in the perfect spot on short passes, but he, he was just, you know, he's throwing dirt balls. And, you know, we, there was that clip that went viral at one point, you know, the the screen pass he threw to Braxton Berrios that sailed, you know, four or five yards over his head from just a few feet away. Um, that was another huge hole in his game, and we haven't seen that. Um, so to me, those were his two biggest things um, that he had to work on was the the short accuracy and the, you know, the willingness to stand in there and take a shot, you know, and I felt like, you know, I loved him coming out of BYU. And as I saw him do that more and more as a pro, that was the one thing that I was like, how did I miss? Like, I watched every throw we made and it never dawned on me how frequently he would run from pressure, whether it was there or not. He'd run from phantom pressure. Um, but he seems to have gotten past that. So that's a huge thing, you know, in his development. So, and yeah, the, listen, the three interceptions, one of the one to Michael Carter to me, and I said this on my show, I don't know who was to blame, but it was clearly a miscommunication. Michael Carter looked like he was going to carry on running it out or, you know, run out toward the sideline. And Zach clearly anticipated that because that's where he put the ball. But Carter stopped mid route and that's where he thought he was getting the ball. So somebody was wrong. Um, the first interception was just pure, just pressure. Micah Parsons is breathing down his neck. He's trying to make a play. The worst one of the three was the one to Garrett Wilson, because that could have been six. He definitely, you know, as they said on the broadcast, and it was clear as day, he put too much air under it. If he throws that ball more on the line and he gets it on target, that's a touchdown to Garrett Wilson. So that was a bad one. But again, you're talking about, you know, 30 to 10 with a few minutes to go in the game. Yeah. And, um, and the people who were so desperate to see him fail, you know, they want no context because because if you if you put context on it, it's not that big of a deal. It's it's removing the context that you can just say, well, look at the box score. You know, they just want to look at the box score rather than okay, how did they get there? Um, and that's how he got there. So I thought Zach Wilson played well, not great. You know, the good thing is, you know, and I think it was Damian Woody, and you know, a few people have said, and, and rightfully so, that is the best defense he'll face this year. Um, yeah. So this week's this week's game for him is huge because he's shown a little bit of growth. But now he's facing a coach of Bill Belichick who has given him fits, you know, more so than any other coach he's faced as a pro. Um, you know, nearly a third of his interceptions as a professional come against the Patriots. Um, he's completing 50% of his pass against the Patriots since entering the league. So that team has given him more trouble than any other. And, as you know, to your point, as far as how the Jets coaching staff handled the game this week, it really it kind of made it a perfect storm. You felt like Zach Wilson, like, yeah, just manage the game, Zach, and that's what you wanted him to do. But they really made it as difficult as possible on him. Um, exactly. You know, no support in the run game, as you said, no extra blockers on the edges when when the when the tackles were struggling, especially Dwayne Brown. We didn't see Jeremy Ruckert blocking as in the run game. We you looked at Week One and all the things they did that worked well. They kind of threw them out and said we're not going to do that again. Um, so my hope is that this week against the Patriots, they kind of realize what their strengths are. And uh, and and Brees Hall sees 12 or 15 carries and, you know, and we see some extra blockers in the run game and, and get things going because um, they, they really did. It, it was really when you I actually was watching earlier um, and I tweeted this out. I was watching J.J. Watt on the Pat McAfee show and they, he was basically laughing as they were highlighting, 
one of the, you know, they were showing hi- highlights of the Jets uh, Cowboys game and they highlighted and circled, you know, Micah Parsons out out wide in space one on one against Wayne Brown. And they just freeze it and circle it. And they're like, JJ, how do you how does this happen? How do you get to where Micah Parsons is? You've got one guy all the way on the outside with him. And JJ, what well, he's almost laughing. And he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you don't chip him with a tight end, chip him with a wide receiver. We, he was saying that might be the best thing because he kind of those guys are the hardest guys to see coming when they're coming from your peripheral. Yeah, so exactly. JJ Watt, you know, one of the best rushers of all time, is watching clips of that game with Pat McAfee and they're laughing, saying, "I don't know how the hell that happens," but that's what the Jets did. Yeah, but the, like, for instance, here's an example: that first sack Parsons got, he was lined out wide, right on Brown. He came in up the middle. Yep. The whole offensive line split like Moses, you know, part in Red Sea. Okay. No running back, no full back to take up the, you know, take the blitz coming up, to protect um, Zach Wilson. That's one big thing. That's coaching. That's awful coaching, right? No tight end to help Brown. I was looking at this and I was pointing out to my wife. She was. She was looking at me <laughs> and laughing. And like that was going on through the whole game. Zach Wilson, like, you need to protect the chap if he wants to grow. He's young. The last couple of seasons he's struggled mightily. Now it looks like he's taken a step this year. He's lost Aaron Rodgers. Massive loss. But you need to protect the kid. And how you do it is like that, yes, you, you use your tight ends, you use your running back, you use a fullback. We have a fullback on the team, we're not using him. What's the point? Like, oh, yeah. that's a, a great mystery because I was, I was surprised as you know, as training camp progressed, you know, we were hearing more and more that it looked like Nick Bodden was going to make the roster. Um, and I think he's a good player, I don't think Nick Bodden's not a good player, but why is he on the team? And I Listen, and part of me kind of says, pump the brakes, it's week two, maybe there's a bigger plan moving forward, and, you know, they didn't run a lot of plays on offense because they were so bad, but, like, one of one of the big things, and I hadn't even really mentioned this a whole lot, because um, there's been so much to go over with this loss, and, you know, the point you just made reminded me of it, why did we see so many empty backfields? Now, forget about, forget about having a tight end. Late in the game, I get that, you know, you, you want to throw the ball, but the number of times they went five wide, empty backfield, and I'm like, this is the one game. Like, this, you are right now facing the most dominant pass rusher you will face all season. He is abusing your tackles. He's abusing everybody. He's killing everybody left and right. And you're going five wide with no extra blockers, nobody to pick him up. And, and it, it was mad. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. I, I, I hate to even go down this road because it's so, it makes me so miserable. But, you know, hiring Nathaniel Hackett was something that made me cringe because of that name. Because for those of us who lived through having his father as an offensive coordinator here, who was terrible, um, but you kind of lived with it because you were like, you know what? They're probably getting this guy's to lure Aaron Rodgers, and if that works, then it's worth it. And it was. But now there is no Aaron Rodgers to carry the Nathan- you know, or to yeah. run Nathaniel Hackett's offense. And he doesn't. Ha- I mean, he he did some good things with Blake Bortles. Like Blake Bortles had a pretty decent season under him. But other than that, he hasn't done a whole lot as a quarterback. I'm not saying like he was a bad hire. I just I'm worried. Put it that way. Like it worries me that 
Paul Hackett's son is now running the Jets offense. He doesn't have Aaron Rodgers to execute it. And the first full game we see without Aaron Rodgers, they're facing a guy who was drawing comparisons to Lawrence Taylor. He's smoking the Jets offensive line all day long. And you start going empty backfield and leaving Zach Wilson back there on his own. So yeah. like I said, it really was like a, a collection of, you know, it, it was that perfect storm. We're going to do minimum protection. We're going to have, and again, this isn't scheme, obviously, but their receivers outside of Garrett Wilson aren't getting a ton of separation. But yeah, why exactly. Brees Hall with the four carries, why isn't Brees Hall, why aren't you lining him up, you know, in the slot and have him run a slant and try to beat some guys, you know, uh, you know, catch and run over the middle. Like Brees Hall's your most electric player on offense outside of Garrett Wilson. And he touched the football four times. It's it. It's bad. It's one of those things you look at and you're like, how does this how does this happen at this level? Yeah. If like for me, Glenn, if you want to help your uh, young quarterback, this offense isn't fast at the moment. We've got we've got um, Garrett Wilson. He's going he's going to be double teamed this week. Okay. You've got Cobb at his best running routes. It's going to be at walking pace. That guy should have been retired by, by now. You've got Xavier Gibson. They should be using that guy. Like, he's electric. They they should be giving this guy because he's hungry. Give him snaps. Use him. Like, we brought in Harmon. Use him. There's speed there between the two of them. You've got Ruckert. Yeah. Ruckert is we, we, absolutely miles ahead of Zuma. Like... My head is, I'm scratching my head at the moment at the way the offense has been handled for Zach. And this is coaching. Like, you've got Hackett. He's, Hackett is on trial this year. Um, 100%. Okay. Zach Wilson's on trial this year because it's he's on his third year. Like, we need to see him progress or else they're going to have to go and look at another quarterback next year. So, these two guys are on trial. So you need to help. The Jets need to, you know, they need to grow up, pull their socks up. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing with that's what worries me with Hackett is is the way we just saw. And I'm like I said, the thing that I'm kind of the reason you know it, it's way too early to freak out. Put it that way. Like it's yeah. it's alarming. It's worrying. Like wait a minute, what are we doing here? However, it's like all right, you know, it's week two. Obviously, week one. You planned on having Rodgers. That blew up in your face. So you adjusted from there. And I thought, well, that's why we didn't see Miko Hardman week one. Because Aaron Rodgers is the deep ball guy. He was probably They probably had a package of plays for him. And then when Zach comes in the game, they probably decided they were just going to dink and dunk, control the clock, and win the game. Um, And then against Dallas, uh, we don't see Hardman at all. But, I mean, really, now it, it's sort of a, a, you know, chicken or the egg, right? And yeah. I think we know the answer. You know, I've heard Robert Sala, you know, talk about this a couple times now. You know, Robert, why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? And he's kind of saying, well, you know, we, we didn't run enough plays. We didn't run enough plays, which is fair enough. But why didn't you run many plays? Because of the plays you were running, like because of what. And I don't even want to not even the play, but the philosophy. Exactly. You know, like I, I thought going into the game that this would be one of those, you know, sort of old school games where you'd have the extra tight ends and you would. To again protect Zach, not not just protect Zach, like any quarterback on the road against that defense, you're going to have to take some precautions. And I thought run the ball all day long, and eventually, you know, eventually Brees is going to pop one. Cook, I don't know if pop, I don't know if he's going to pop one. I don't know if he's got that in him anymore. 
I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Um, see, see, my problem with Cook is he didn't train through training camp at all. Like exactly. He's only starting a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. So he needs to be eased in compared to, like, the rest of the running backs. They've, they've had a training camp compared to compared to Cook. So, like, I wasn't surprised when he fumbled that ball. I wasn't surprised when he's only getting two yards per run. You know, max. Nope. Right? No, well, the thing is, Hackett is supposed to be a guy that really likes his tight ends. And it doesn't seem like he knows how to use a tight end at the moment. Well, like, I'm very again, so far in Hackett. Again, same here, but I'm, I'm just trying to remind myself, you know, it's week two, right? Like, yeah. let's, let's, and, and I'm not saying let's give it all year. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, but if by week five or six, we don't see more guys getting involved and, and the offense evolving and, and, you know, doing, playing to its strengths, then it's, then it's legitimately time to worry. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I say that as somebody who, who watched this team through the Paul Hackett years, um, and I just, it, it's almost, it's, it's like a, it's like a cruel joke that here we are with a team with this much talent and, um, and a large portion of it is in the hands of, of Nathaniel Hackett because the Jets had some really talented teams with Paul Hackett too. Um, but why, Glenn, why you're saying that, right? And talent this time here, I, it popped into my head today that maybe that might have been a good thing that the Jets got their ass handed last week because maybe they can look at themselves in the mirror now. Like coaches, players, maybe they can settle down and realize, oh, well, we need to actually earn what we think we are and not go out there and, uh, you know, one-handed tackles, throwing our shoulder into tackles and not wrapping up, which happened a lot in that game. Um, like Sauce should have had a pick six. He took his eyes off the ball. You know. Yeah. But then for instance, right, you look back at the Parsons, right? Mm-hmm. Dallas moved him around the D line and give him the freedom to um play ha- uh, play havoc with the Jets offense. Why couldn't the Jets turn around and say, Well, we got a guy in Hof that's very fast. Let's do that with Huff. We've got a guy we drafted in round one, McDonald. He hasn't had a snap. He was this. He wasn't even active. He wasn't active. Uh, fast. He's long, right? You've got Tipman there. Like our first round or second round pick, they're not even, you know, featured. That was um, that was my number one criticism of this draft class, um, and a lot of people got on me for it and said I was being negative or whatever. Um, and I said, I like a lot of the players they drafted, but, and I, and I, I'm sure we'll cover this tonight on our show on jet nation radio, because myself and Chris Schubert um, echoed pretty much had the same exact thought, which was the jets approached the draft this year. Like they were a super bowl contender with no holes. Like they could just draft for depth everywhere. And I'm like, I, and I said, I was like, Will McDonald's good enough, a good enough player. That if you get him on the field enough, he could be a defensive rookie of the year candidate. So it's not that I don't like Will McDonald. I just thought, how much is he going to get on the field? Because if you look historically, you look at last year, Jermaine Johnson, 25, 26% of the snaps. And so you would think they would follow the same path with 
Will McDonald. Um, and it looks like they are, right? 12, 13 snaps week one, zero snaps week two. Like, th- that could have been, and, you know, I, I know I, I did an article prior to the draft and saying, I thought the perfect pick, I thought the guy they should have taken in that spot was Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I'll tell you what, right now, he would be serving this team a lot better than Will McDonald because Will McDonald is inactive, and Smith and Jigba would give you another legitimate weapon. I don't know what he's doing in Seattle, but Seattle's got like four. They're, they're deep at receiver. So and Jigba's probably going to have a harder time getting targets there. But uh, And then Tipman, who I liked as a pick, you know, when he was drafted, I, even, I had him mocked as like a guy they should take in round two. They did take him in round two. But then, of course, they they didn't start him. And I, you know, and I, I've kind of taken the approach. Maybe, maybe they want to bring him along, and he'll start at some point. You know, and he probably will be the starter by week five or six. Um, if McGovern plays the way he did again last week, he might be the starter by week four. But again, reminding ourselves, you know, as frustrating as it was to watch that game, you you can't take anything away from Micah Parsons. I mean, he was the guy making it all happen. They have other good players, and other guys are making plays, but Micah Parsons was was unbelievable. Um, I didn't even I didn't even click it. I saw a story pop up on my feed today, and I thought, you know, I, I really don't want to watch that. But the headline was something like, um, you know, it clicked the link to listen to Jets players, Jets players mic'd up, reacting to Micah Parsons on Sunday. And there's a shot of Quinn and Williams looking up at the jumbotron, and I could imagine they're probably all saying, "Jesus Christ, this guy can't be blocked." So I'm not going to get on guys for not being able to block a guy who might be the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, but they still have to be better than what they were, you know, Lake and Tomlinson. But to your point, what I wanted to mention, Vic, with the the number of snaps Dalvin Cook played, same thing with, with Dwayne Brown, and I get he was hurt, he was coming back from an injury, but the Jets basically, and a lot of teams do this, and I was talking to someone about this earlier, it's so frustrating. They treat the preseason like it doesn't matter in terms of getting guys ready. Like, we're we're happy to sit these guys for three weeks and not play them, or you play four snaps today, and when you play another eight snaps two weeks from now, and then the season starts, and the old line is completely out of sync, and it's like, well, you know, probably need a few weeks to get in, get into a rhythm. Well, you just had a few weeks to get into the rhythm, and you chose to sit everybody for a month, and now the games are here. And this isn't just the Jets, by the way. O line play around the league is ugly. You know, you mentioned the tackling. The tackling. I'm not trying to be silly or hyperbolic or whatever, but I don't. I would love to know if NFL teams go over tackling fundamentals. Because this is years now. Everyone's going for the highlight reel hit. I want to throw my shoulder into this guy and lay him out and make the sports center top 10. Like, guys, like, hitting and rapping and driving is, like, it's boring. So guys don't do it. And when you do see it, it's refreshing. But, um, yeah, the tackling was ugly. The offensive line play was ugly. But that's something we're seeing league-wide. You know, I'm watching these quarterbacks who make 10 times what Zach Wilson makes not playing a whole lot better than he did. Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, when it comes to, you know, practicing, um, training camp and all that, you need your offensive line to gel. And our offensive line is gelling. Like, we, you've got AVT, such a great, great guy, offensive line. You can put him anywhere. He'll, he'll play out of his skin. You've got Beckton now which is starting to show glimpses, which is a good thing. But, it, like, I've seen Jets fans saying at the moment, bench Brown, flip, Beckton. Can you do that now? 
with Beckton trying to learn his role as a right tackle. Can can you afford to do that? I, I think you can based on the fact that Louisville did that with him in college all the time. They would him, I believe sometimes he would flip in game. Um, but Louisville flipped him from left to right. So he's played enough right, enough left. He wants to play left. I would have no problem with it. I know that I said, you know, during the offseason, Beckton would just kind of have to accept the fact he was a right tackle on the team because Dwayne Brown doesn't play another spot. And Dwayne Brown makes $11 million. However, I also went into the season saying, let's see if Dwayne Brown takes a step back coming off an injury and being a year older. And if he doesn't, you know, right now we can look at Dwayne Brown and, and you know, a couple things to give him the benefit of the doubt. One, as we just said, didn't have a training camp, which, you know, whoever whoever that's on, that's, uh, you know, blame the coaches. Um, two, he's coming off a of surgery. Um, three, again, he's a year older. So he might need a few weeks of actual live play. And he looked his worst against Micah Parsons. So there's a lot going on there where you can say, give him the benefit of that. And, and I'm willing to. I'm willing to say, all right, let's. Let's back off Dwayne Brown, give him a couple more weeks to see if he gets back up to speed. And he's a he's a solid, you know, unspectacular, but see if he can be a solid player for you. And I think he can get there. But if over the next two weeks, three weeks, he's still I mean, I don't think I don't see anyone beating him the way Parsons did. But if he's still struggling and a liability at left tackle, I don't know how you don't say, all right, we got to flip Beckton. And that's the weird thing. I said that the other day, right? The two most talented linemen on the team both had to switch positions to accommodate a couple of veterans and the veterans are the two worst players on the line right now. Well, the, the other thing is if Brown can't pull his socks up and do his job, he's going to get Zach Wilson killed. Can you afford to, can you afford that? Like, like, as I said, Zach Wilson's on trial. He's playing for his career at the moment. Can the Jets afford to let Brown um, get that kid injured because of the way he's playing. Um, for me, I don't care if you're a vet. I don't care if you're a superstar. But if you're going to handicap the team at the moment, I'm going to bench you. I'm going to put the guy that's going to give me the best chance to win in that position. Yeah, you see it all the time in the pros, right? Yeah. You see these coaches who they're they're sort of married to the idea of being loyal to their veteran players, and you can tell the way Salah talks about the veteran guys that he just he has so much respect for them that if if he keeps this up, it's going to be to a fault, to his own detriment. I mean, you and I would sit here and say, "Don't get Zach Wilson killed," yeah. but clearly the team was more than happy <laughs> to put his health at risk against the Cowboys, and maybe that's. Maybe they're all right with that. I don't know why yeah. they would be, but they certainly didn't take any extra steps to prevent it happening. Well, that's leading me into a chat to you about this week's game. We're playing the Pats, and you've got Belichick, a guy that won't take any shit from anybody. Okay, If you're not playing up to scratch, he'll bench you. He'll actually get rid of you off the, off the team. He, he, like, on paper... The Jets team has a lot of better stars, players in this squad roster than the Patriots. But because the Patriots have Belichick, he has his team playing above par. He, as you just said earlier on, at the moment he owns Zach Wilson. So 
the Jets need to come into this game, brush themselves off, pull up their socks, and actually play like the team we think they are. And Zach Wilson needs to go up against Belichick and he needs to actually play out his skin in this game as well. Well, he does he, He's got to protect the ball, first and foremost. As I said, seven picks against the Pats, more than any other team. And um, New England is going to do exactly what Dallas did. We're going to see quick drops. We're going to see short throws. And we're going to see Patriots, you know, Patriots offensive players trying to make guys miss underneath, trying to get open against linebackers who don't cover all that well. Although, I would say Quincy Williams, um, his all-around game has been better this year than at any point last year. You know, th- this past game he did have a, a missed tackle to, you know, we saw him fall trying to get to a receiver who was catching the ball out of the flat and allowed a big gain. So there were some mistakes there, which you sometimes. I thought Quincy was our bright spark I, last week. What's that? I thought Quincy Williams was our, bl- our bright spark last week. Yeah, like, well, w- against Dallas? And, like, in, in both games. Yeah, Buffalo, he was a monster. Um, Dallas... Less so, but still really good. I thought Jordan Whitehead too. Jordan Whitehead was all over the place. He didn't have any, you know, he didn't have any game changing plays, so it doesn't stand out as much when you get three picks. But he was all over the place. He led the team, I believe. He had nine tackles, seven solo. So Whitehead had a nice game. But th- this is what they're going to have to rely on. They're going to have to rely on these safeties and linebackers to neutralize the short passing game. And if they're not able to do it, um, New England's going to be able to move the ball. Now, New England doesn't have a CD Lamb on their roster. Um, and Garrett Wilson against Gonzalez, I think is going to be a hell of a matchup. Gonzalez was locking down on, you know, some really good Miami receivers. He's, he looks like he's already legit after two games. So expect Garrett Wilson. If Garrett Wilson's neutralized, what do you do? And like you said, where are the tight ends? You know, Jeremy Ruckert, I don't, maybe I was wrong on him. I mean, look, we're all wrong about players. Sometimes I thought he was going to be a really good pass catcher. The jets don't even view him as a guy worth a target. So I don't know what has to happen there. Maybe, maybe he's been a terrible in practice. I don't know. I can't speak for the team. I don't know why they treat Jeremy Ruckert like he's got the plague when it comes to being a a, a, a guy who can you know catch the football. But uh, not a lot of faith there from the team. But they do need to get these guys. You know, we saw we saw Conklin get involved late in the game, garbage time, a few throws over the middle. But um, get more guys involved. You know, that's that's what uh, that that's the way. It, a really good way to keep defenses off balance and not just focus on one guy. Garrett Wilson's phenomenal. And I said, I would throw the ball to Garrett. If I'm Zach Wilson, every time I line up under center, if I see Garrett Wilson in single coverage, man coverage, he's my guy every time. And he would have had a million yards this week against Dallas if they'd done that. Um, obviously, they didn't. But um, this week, as you said, with Belichick, expect him to be doubled. So life will be a little bit tougher on Garrett Wilson. But um, they got they got some stuff to clean up against New England. And it's going to be a game where um, I, I don't, even though New England doesn't have the talent Dallas has, I think that the fact that they have Belichick and the fact that their offense has won an offensive system that, that's going to give the Jets fits all year, I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people realize. Yeah, I, I agree. What's your, what's your prediction before we uh, finish up? And it's funny you say that because as I was finishing that sentence, I thought to myself, I haven't even really given a thought. Like, what, what kind of a score do I see here? Um, like I said, I see New England scoring a lot. Um, or maybe not scoring a lot, but moving the ball a lot, kind of like Dallas. Like maybe you hold them to field goals, but I think they're going to move the ball a fair bit. Um, but I think 
the Jets are going to return to the run game. I think we're going to see a heavy dose of run. Might even see Michael Carter get a handful of carries instead of just one or two. I would love a Banner Canada to get involved, but he'll probably be inactive again. Um, but I'll, I'll say the Jets run it heavy, control the clock. They have the better defense. Um, give them the benefit of the doubt. They're going to have the home crowd. Zach's going to have some support for as long as, you know, as long as he's not turning it over or generating a bunch of three and outs. So I would say, uh, say, say 24, 20 jets. Okay. Well, I was going to go for the jets winning by, um, field goal. Yeah, it could uh, be. And we, and I haven't heard on Zerline. I haven't heard his name mentioned. Um, no, I but I don't, think his... I don't think the guy that came in for Zerline, I don't think he done that bad. No, he didn't. He looked fine. He looked fine. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think his numbers, I think statistically through his career, he's pretty bad outside of 50. Like inside of 40 yards, he's fine. But yeah. from 50 and on, he's like two for nine or something like that for his career. Okay. So if you need him to hit a long one in a big spot, you'd be sweating a little bit. Yeah. All right. That brings us to the end of the show. Um, Glenn, do you want to put out your information there? Uh, yeah. Check us out. Jet Nation Radio. Um, JetNation.com. Most active Jets message board on the web. And uh, give me a follow on Twitter at JN Radio underscore Glenn. We'll be live tonight in a couple hours, actually. Or what uh, What time is it? 8.30, about two hours. Yeah. Myself, Dylan Terriman, Chris Schubert, and uh, we'll be breaking down Jets' pats and and uh, and talking some more about uh, what went wrong against Dallas. Yeah, you can get me at Bifaroo, um Jet on Twitter. Uh, you can get the show, No Fly Zone Radio, on the sports uh, social um, network. You can also get us on Spotify. So it's uh, good night from me. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.